0: Welcome to the Finding True Health podcast, episode number 25. Today, I'm going to tackle the tricky and somewhat controversial topic of food addiction. By the end of the the episode, you'll have a good understanding of why you might feel addicted to certain foods and what to do about it. If you find this podcast helpful, I'd love for you to subscribe. If you feel like doing an extra good deed deed this week, then I'd be thrilled if you left a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And just a quick reminder that this podcast should not take the place of getting personalized help with your health whenever needed. All right, let's go. Hey there, friends. My name's Jenna Waite. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, mother of five, and someone who's passionate about helping others find true health in the midst of diet culture and body objectification. Join me as we take our focus off of weight and body size and put it on to becoming the healthiest possible versions of ourselves so that we can have energy to live our best lives. I am so excited you're here. Now let's dive in. Hello, my friends. I tried recording this podcast about 20 minutes ago. I got everything set up, ready to go, sat down, started talking, and got this terrible case of the hiccups. (laughs) So I tried recording for about two minutes, realized it wasn't going to work. So I went, got a drink, took a little rest. And now I'm back, and thankfully my hiccups are gone. And hopefully, they don't come back during this episode. All right, we're going to just jump right in because we're covering a really big topic today. I hear this phrase quite a bit. People say, I feel like I'm just addicted to food, or I feel like I'm addicted to sugar. And I can totally relate. There have been times in my life that I've felt such a strong draw to certain foods or just to overeat in general that it truly felt like an addiction. In college, I went through a brief period of being really restrictive with what I ate during the day and really excessive with my exercising. And then at night, I just feel completely out of control around food. I remember once in a while eating animal crackers and milk late at night until I either felt sick or I just kind of went numb. Although I haven't had issues with binging for a couple of decades now, I still have felt Now and again, like I've had no self control around certain foods at certain times in my life. So, first, let's talk about the concept of food addiction in general. Experts actually disagree about whether food or sugar can truly be addictive or not. There's a little bit of a debate going on right now, and I want to give you both sides of that debate so that you can kind of form your own opinion or at least be aware of the different sides and their arguments. Here are the arguments as to why some people believe that food could be considered addictive. Certain foods are what we call highly palatable or highly hedonic, and these are just foods generally high in a combination of salt, fat, and sugar or artificial sweeteners. It's usually not just one of those three things. It's generally a combination of two or all three of them that has been shown to cause the most problem. There's been a drastic increase in these highly palatable foods and processed foods in general since the 1980s. There are people who actually, it's their job, they specialize in finding what's referred to as the bliss point of a food. This is the point at which we just want to keep eating and eating. And therefore, we'll keep buying and buying that food that food's product. Food manufacturers also look at things like the different flavorings, the aroma, the oral texture, the texture in your mouth, the visual texture, how it looks, how it feels, its creaminess, its firmness, uh, crumbliness, uh, something called melt, viscosity, mouth coating, compression, springiness. There's all these different variables of food that they kind of play around with to find where that bliss point is and where the, the most pleasure can be found from that food. So this is an industry, it's a big business. And these highly and kind of unnaturally rewarding foods seem to produce the same behavioral and neurological things that we see in addiction of other kinds. They cause a release of dopamine, which is our brain's reward system. And that overstimulation of the dopamine reward circuit causes an intensely pleasurable kind of like a high And then this pattern is memorized by our brains because it really enjoys that release of dopamine. And it encourages us to eat that food again in the future, usually through giving us really intense cravings so that we can recreate those good feelings. As with other addictive substances, we can build up a tolerance for certain foods, particularly sugar. The more sugar we eat, the more dopamine receptors our brain creates to be able to handle that rush of dopamine, and this means that we need even more sugar later on to get that same kind of kick out of the food in the future. And so we seem to need more and more sugar to get the same satisfaction that we did maybe the first few times we ate a certain food. And this is a common thing found in other addictions as well. People also often experience withdrawal symptoms when they greatly reduce or eliminate sugar from their diets, which is, again, another sign of, sign of addiction they develop intense cravings, often get headaches, they can become really irritable, restless, things like that. Many people have complaints of compulsion around food. The definition of compulsion is the irresistible urge to behave in a way that runs contrary to your expressed conscious wishes. These individuals feel like they're unable to stop themselves from consuming a substance, a food even though they no longer want it even if they no longer even get any enjoyment out of doing out of eating it i've heard of people even talking about going through the garbage to get food that they threw away because they just feel this intense urge and desire to eat even though they consciously do not want the food for me the difference between having like a desire for something versus having a compulsion for it is when I want becomes I need. If you feel like you need that cookie or that whatever, rather than just really wanting it, then that can really feel like being addicted to cookies or whatever the food is. There's also evidence that addictive-like behaviors, including with food, are genetic. It's estimated that genes account for about half of a person's risk of addiction. And animal studies have shown that addiction-like behaviors while pregnant in the moms lead to addiction-like behaviors in the child. And then finally, those with a history of trauma or physical or sexual abuse, particularly as a child, have been shown to have greater risk of food addiction It's possible that these people are using food as kind of a coping or numbing mechanism as a way to deal with their past trauma. But there's definitely a very strong link between those two. So those are some of the arguments on the yes, food addiction is a real thing side. And now here are the arguments on the other side for why foods should not be considered an addictive substance. First of all, lots of things can actually cause dopamine release. Laughing, listening to music, socializing, playing games, being out in nature, these all cause dopamine releases, but we don't generally worry about these things becoming addictive. Another argument is that although the region of the brain that is lit up when eating highly palatable foods is the same region that's lit up when using something like cocaine, it's also the same region that's lit up when listening to music. Again, most people aren't too concerned with possible music addictions. So just because that, brain, that part of the brain is lit up doesn't necessarily mean that the person is experiencing addictive behaviors. Also, though there are some similarities uh, with a brain on sugar versus a brain on drugs, there are also differences. It doesn't act the exact same way in both instances. Another theory is that diet culture has really contributed to this Feeling of food addiction. Dieting, food restriction, uh, how we view these, quote, junk foods, these all seem to have a really strong effect on binging, stronger actually than the foods themselves. When we develop a fear of these foods or we're really restrictive, it can just worsen the guilt and the shame that we find when we eat them. It can make them feel even more desirable than they would be otherwise if we didn't if they weren't so taboo and kind of demonized in our society we have to remember that the reward system of our brain including the release of dopamine is an essential human survival instinct and food is a requirement of life hunger actually enhances the reward value of food it triggers more dopamine when we're hungry food tastes better so, the argument is why would our bodies have a natural mechanism like hunger for something that could harm us, such as enjoying food? And a final argument I've heard is that much overeating that we experience, that people experience, can be attributed to habits and to the Pavlovian conditioning. So, you remember Pavlov's dog experiment? Every time he fed his dogs, he rang a bell. And after a while, every time the dogs heard that bell, they would start to salivate, even if there was no food around. This would indicate that overeating is a learned response and not an addiction. And it just has become a habit, and that's why we might feel really compelled to eat at times. So those are kind of the two sides of the argument. But for me, here's the bottom line. Whether or not food addiction is, quote, a real addiction... It's a legitimate feeling for tons and tons of people. I also think whether or not food addiction is real is really less important than how we think about food and how we can maybe limit those compulsive desires if we're experiencing them. I want to emphasize that feeling addicted or out of control around food is not due to a lack of willpower. A lot of times it's portrayed that way in society. Again, diet culture kind of plays into this, convincing people that they need large amounts of willpower in order to eat healthy, be healthy. But we have to remember that there are strong biological mechanisms working to drive you to eat large amounts of certain foods for various reasons. So what should you do if you find it hard to control yourself around food? I wish I could give you a cut and dry answer here, but unfortunately, there really isn't one. This is a complicated topic. Scientific research is somewhat limited, and different people might need to get treatment in different ways. It's an individualized thing. There's no one-size-fits-all here. If you are struggling in this area, I strongly suggest that you get some personal help from a qualified professional. There are lots of reasons that people overeat or might feel addicted to food. And I'm not going to be able to cover all of those reasons here in this podcast episode. But I will give you a few ideas here that you might want to try. Again, this isn't going to be an exhaustive list of options, but I will cover as much as I can. First, it's important to note that we're dealing with two things here. First of all, we're dealing with some really strong biological mechanisms causing the feeling of addiction. And then second, there's also some mental and emotional things going on generally. So first let's talk about those biological mechanisms. The first thing you're gonna to wanna to do if you feel like you have a problem with food addiction is make sure you're getting enough to eat throughout the day. Sometimes this can sound counterintuitive to people. They, th- they think I'm already eating too much. Why are you telling me to eat more? But this is a huge one. Your body is going to have intense cravings for simple carbohydrates, things with sugar and white flour, things that are going to give you a really quick boost in your blood sugar when it is undernourished. It'll give you a much more intense desire to eat those foods because it feels like it doesn't have enough nutrition. Again, this is a huge problem with dieting. And one reason that so many people have a problem with overeating, especially at night when they're on a diet, they're restricting and being quote good all day long And then by the end of the day, their body sends these huge cravings in an effort to get more food. And then that, combined with the fact that they're tired and their willpower is spent, this leads to a binge, or at least eating more than they want to at night. And it also leads often to consuming more calories than they would have if they hadn't been restricting all day. And it's really a double whammy because foods taste better and give us more pleasure when our blood sugar is low. So if you eat highly pleasurable foods after fasting or restricting, that dopamine rush in the, in the brain is even stronger, making you want those foods all the more the next time. So if you find yourself craving one of these highly pal- palatable foods, I recommend first checking in and asking yourself if you could just be hungry. If so, eat a satisfying meal first and then give your, yourself permission to eat the pleasure food if you'd like, if you still are craving it you'll likely find that either your craving has gone away or you're able to get satisfied on just a small amount of the food. This just happened to me today, actually. I started craving something sweet, but before answering that craving, I looked at the clock and I realized it was 1 o'clock and I hadn't had any lunch, so I wasn't necessarily feeling hungry, but those cravings were kind of my indication that I was hungry, So I ate a nice balanced lunch. I decided that I still wanted a little something sweet. And I found that just a few chocolate covered almonds, like three, satisfied me, my sweet tooth completely. I know that if I'd gone straight to the chocolate almonds before eating lunch, I would have eaten much more. Just getting my blood sugar up made it so that my body really didn't desire that sweet food anymore. And then a final note on the biological side of all this is, as much as possible, try not to eat highly palatable foods at the same time every day or in the same place all the time. Your brain will start associating that time or the place with that food, and it's going to produce much stronger cravings in an attempt to get that dopamine hit that it's expecting at that time or in that place. So for example, if you tend to eat um, ice cream every night, say around 8 o'clock, guess what's going to happen every night at 8 o'clock? Your brain is going to say, hey, where's my dopamine hit from that ice cream? Maybe one night you decide you don't really want to eat ice cream because you had a big treat earlier or you're still really full from dinner or for whatever reason, but you're still going to have to battle your brain all the harder and you're probably going to have some intense cravings come 8 o'clock because your brain is just used to that. In general, I am a fan of having treats every now and again But I try hard not to have them again in the same time, same place, just to prevent that Pavlovian response from starting. Okay, the second aspect of all this is the mental or emotional aspect. I invite you to consider how you're thinking about pleasure foods. Are they seen as forbidden and off limits or as these super highly desirable treats Having thoughts around these foods like this just leads you to wanting them even more. Try, if you can, to see food in more of a neutral way. I'm sure, donuts and ice cream taste good, but are they really the most wonderful heavenly thing on earth? <laughs> or something that's just super extremely desirable? Research has actually found that the anticipation of eating a fun food lights up the brain's reward system just as much, sometimes even more so, than the actual eating of the food. When pleasure foods are really highly anticipated and kind of put up on a pedestal, they become even more enticing. That's why viewing these kinds of foods as these amazing, irresistible foods is probably not really serving you. You might have noticed by now that I refrain usually from using the term junk food. I know it's a common term in our culture, But one of the reasons that I don't like to use that term is something seen as junk or as poison, as sugar is often referred to, is another mental reason that people sometimes have a hard time around these foods. It can lead to feelings of guilt and shame when you end up eating one of those foods because as they're described, you're eating trash and who wants to eat trash and poison their bodies like that. That's why I prefer talking about highly hedonic foods as fun foods or purely for pleasure foods. These are foods that are just meant to give us that little dopamine pleasure once in a while, but they also don't need to be our only source of pleasure. And of course, we know that overdoing these fun foods can have a negative effect on our health, so it is best to try and limit them. Another thing that can help with feelings of addiction for food is to avoid using food as a way to deal with emotions as much as possible this just adds a whole other layer to eating, and you're probably going to crave these highly palatable foods much more often if they've become a source of comfort and one of your main coping mechanisms. You can go back and listen to episode number 11 for some ideas on how to handle emotions, particularly, particularly stress, without using food if you want a little more in that area. And the last thing here I want to talk about is just that phrase, I'm addicted to food or I'm addicted to sugar. How does that thought make you feel? Maybe it helps take a little of the guilt away knowing that there really are some powerful chemical processes going on that make it really hard to walk away from sugar sometimes and make that feeling of addiction. Or does it make you feel kind of powerless, like you're an addict that will never recover from your sweet tooth? I really just encourage you to examine your thoughts and how you talk about food and yourself with food and just try and choose thoughts that are going to best serve you here and and help you be empowered. Okay, the last thing I want to discuss here is whether or not you should keep, quote, trigger foods in your house. These are foods that you you have a hard time controlling yourself around. Now, this is a tricky question. And again, there's no cut and dry answer. The truth is some people might benefit from decreasing exposure to certain foods, at least for some time until they can develop some new habits, maybe get back to a place where they can be satisfied with a smaller amount. But for others, increasing their exposure actually might be the answer. They might need to show themselves that they're going to have access to these foods anytime they want. So there's no need to overeat them when they get access to them. This is going to help take some of that allure away and some of the importance that they're giving these foods and decrease what we call last supper eating, which is when you just eat a lot of something because you feel like it's the last time you're going to get it. So it kind of depends on if you have a history of dieting and what your relationship to food is. Oftentimes, if you're having a true craving for something, not just like a passing thought like, oh, that would taste good, but like something that you're really like, oh, this would, I really want this food. The best thing you can do is to answer that craving. Oftentimes, just eating a small portion of the food mindfully will make the craving go away and satisfy you. Have you ever had this experience? Maybe you've had a craving, but you're trying to resist it. And so you eat a bunch of other foods trying to satisfy that craving, but you're still not satisfied. And you just end up eating the original thing that you were craving in the first place. You would have been much better off in that case, just eating that food first. But I want to emphasize here that that only works if you're eating it without guilt. If you're not kind of shoving it down because you're ashamed that you're eating it but you're really allowing yourself to truly enjoy every bite. It's true that you really often get satisfied much quicker this way. I used to believe that I couldn't have my favorite foods in the house because I just couldn't control myself around them. When they were in the house, I told myself I needed to eat them as quickly as possible so that I wouldn't be tempted by them every day and I could just get them out. But now I keep these foods around all the time because if I'm craving a fun food... I want to be able to eat something that I really enjoy and not just try to satisfy my sweet tooth on something that I only kind of like. I find that I eat much fewer pleasure foods this way. And here's the thing. I've had some of my favorite foods now in the house for months without even touching them once. Some of them are even starting to go bad. So how is that possible when I used to feel out of control around them? Well, here's what works for me. It might not work for everybody, but this is what I found works best in my life. First off, like I mentioned earlier, I'm much better at keeping myself fed regularly now. I eat regular meals. Um, I also work to keep my other healthy habits going, like getting enough sleep and exercising and drinking enough water. So my desire to eat these foods has just gone down dramatically in general but the second thing is I don't keep these foods where I can see them all the time. I keep my favorite cold foods like ice cream tucked in the back of my freezer in the basement. And I keep other foods that don't need to be kept cold high up on a shelf in a closet that I don't often go in. Now, I realize that not everybody is going to have a second freezer in the basement or garage, but you could tuck treats just in the very back of your kitchen freezer or perhaps on the bottom shelf if you have a side-by-side. The point is just to make it take a little bit of effort to get to those foods. This just helps you avoid the impulse to eat them just because you saw them or you just had a fleeting thought and they're just right there. So they're really easy to access. That's not a true craving. And if you're anything like me, you're going to eat a lot more of these fun foods if you give in to every impulse or thought that you have about them. It's It's when you're really craving it that you're going to go through the effort of, getting the chair and going up on the top shelf of the closet or digging through the freezer to get to the food. And to be honest, those cravings just really don't come that often for me. Once again, you might need a period of staying away from those foods a little more just initially to kind of get your body and your brain reset a bit. But afterwards, I personally think that it's completely fine to have these foods in your house for the most part, for most people. I hope I've given you a better understanding of the concept of food addiction and some steps that you can take if you're feeling out of control around food. Again, I haven't been able to cover everything around this topic, but I've tried really hard to give you a good overview. Choose just one or two of the ideas I mentioned. Try implementing them into your life and just see how it goes. And of course, if you would like my help with improving your relationship with food and kind of combating these feelings of food addiction that you might have, I would love to work with you. You can go to helpthroughhabits.com. My self-paced course is always available, but my one-on-one spots are limited. So you might need to check a few times. If I'm full, you can always get on my waiting list and be the first to know when more spots come open. Thank you so much for joining me today and have a wonderful day. i will see you later. If you'd like help implementing what we've talked about today more fully into your life, come check out my self-paced program at helpthroughhabits.com. you will use the science and tools of habit formation to help transform your health and your mindset. In just a few short weeks, you'll be able to add any number of healthy behavior and thought habits into your life so that you can enjoy finding true health for yourself. I hope to work with you soon.